The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. 205. It's Tuesday and a gorgeous, sunny, hot Tuesday afternoon news. I'm over here if you need me, Jay. Otherwise, use me sparingly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so hot. Oh, don't complain about it being no, hot. No, no, I'm not complaining. We I'm... wait for seven months for this. There's a, reasons, there's a reason Mexicans like siestas this time of day. Two o'clock's a great time to, you know what? It is, it is good. Grab a nap. nap. Was, was it an early morning for you, Andrew? I don't know what's going on with me. You know, with age comes changes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's weird where the changes come in. And like, uh, think back to what your favorite store was as a 25-year-old, right? It might have been a technology store of some kind, possibly a, I don't know, an ATV dealership, mm. maybe something. And, you know, over the years, my favorite store became like M&M Meats. You know what I mean? Where you're like, duh, I would totally buy that. <laughs> Steak and lobster tail. And then now in my almost 60s, I'm going coming up on 60, I am thrilled uh, to learn this morning that my uh, grill heat distribution plates for my barbecue have shipped from Amazon. You know what I mean? You're like, duh, that's a good day. Don't have to replace the barbecue, just the plates. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's wrong with me. And I'm tired all the time. Well, you sleep, you you live at weird times. Well, I can't sleep in anymore. I'm still going to bed 2.33 in the morning, that's but I'm waking up at 8.30. Well, that's a problem. You're going to have to adjust. Well, I don't know why my body doesn't do it on its own. No. And it's not like I have to get up and do anything. It's not like, you know, I, I don't have to go to the... It's not like that. I just can't sleep in. I know. That started a couple of years back for me, especially on the weekends. I used to love oh, sleeping on the weekends, like noon or one, and now it's like eight o'clock, awake. Now it's just in theory. You know, you yeah. Friday night, you're like, oh, thank goodness I can sleep in tomorrow. Then 8.30, you're awake. And you know, my dad used to get up and fry kippers at 8.30 in the mm. morning. I was like, what's wrong with you? I didn't say it to him because I was scared of him, but I would think, what's wrong with you, Kippers? Right? Why are you eating kippers on a Saturday morning? At 8.30, stinking up the <laughs> stinking house. Stinking up the entire house. No, I'm like, geez, you know, they smell pretty good. Oh, really? Should probably try. Well, I don't even. I don't think I've ever tasted a kipper, to be honest. I'm not even sure what it is. It's a fish. It's like herring, isn't it? I have no idea. Isn't kippers like pickled herrings. Uh, is today the five-year anniversary of the floods down in? Uh, kipper is a whole herring, a small oily fish. Yeah, it's a, it's a little little air herring. That and sardines. Who yeah, likes sardines? No, who, you know what? My the oldest kid likes sardines and would have sardine sandwiches. I was like, you're what? What is wrong with Doesn't you? Doesn't it feel like your mouth's getting really dry as you eat a sardine sandwich? You just two bites well, but, in, you're like, but, that, but that. sardines are oily, aren't they? Yeah, that's just it. They're greasy, and yet they make your mouth feel dry. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, five year anniversary of the uh, flood down Calgary. Can you believe that area? Time's just uh, flown by there, but what a mess that was. So coming up, we'll talk uh, to one of the Edmonton fire firefighters who was down there helping the folks down there during that awful time plus three o'clock today you know what it is oh what is it well just about perfect for you probably fit after 40 with grant fedork I, I'm, I'm, I always enjoy having Grant in studio, and those are very informative uh, segments that we do with Grant. But I'm looking to do a spin-off of Fit After 40 and just 
Some F word after, after 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not sure what the word is, but you know. <clears throat> <sighs> so it's 209. You need to check your blood pressure. I just did, in fact. I went to see a, a dermatologist yesterday mm. because I uh, got these sunspots on my cheeks, yeah. which one day just became really pronounced. And I know I can't tell you the date, but I, I remember the day because we were somewhere and you said to me, so probably listener trip, and you said, hey, did you shave and miss a whole spot on your cheek? Mm. And I thought, geez, did I? But I couldn't feel no. any whiskers. Then I looked in the mirror. It's like, no, this is a big it's sunspot. A sunspot. Eh? So I saw a dermatologist yesterday. And uh, because I was a new patient, they weigh you and yeah, uh, take your blood pressure. Second. Yeah. So, because we're going to the same dermatologist right now. Is that a fact? That's right. Oh, so they so, weighed you? No, no way. Oh, you weren't having any part of that? I was having no part of that. Whatsoever. Doesn't change your weight not to weigh you, you know. I know, but no one else needs to know it's what in it kilograms. says. I don't care. I came around the corner. She's like, okay, well, we'll take your blood pressure. And I said, well, that's going to be high. And she said, um, she says, you're aware of that? I'm like, yeah, I have high blood pressure and I'm, I'm working on it. Um, and then she says, okay, and hop on the scale. I said, not a chance in hell. No, and you like, refuse what? treatment. And, and I said, uh, there is no way, there is no need whatsoever for my dermatologist to know how much I weigh. And she says, well, some medications are, are based, you know, depending on weight. And I said, well, if that's it, we'll mm. get there at that point. But at this moment, uh, at, at, at nine o'clock on this Tuesday morning, there's no chance you're weighing me. Well, I happily stepped First on the scale. First off, I'm not just out of bed. Wow. I've eaten something. Thing. I have okay. clothes on. Yeah, I've oh, had like. Oh, three she cups said, of "Leave your shoes on," which I thought was weird. Yeah, well, that just adds. That adds more. twenty like, pounds. Forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> it does add twenty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, "Oh, your blood pressure is high." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know." Yeah, my blood pressure was, I don't understand blood pressure, mm. but it was like so-and-so over so-and-so, and she said that second number's a little high. Yeah, so is mine. Yeah, uh, but but then she said, you know, I said, well, you know, your office is on the third floor. <laughs> she goes, yeah, that could be it. Or just you, maybe you're stressed about this appointment or whatever. I'm like, yeah, let's let's put that down. Yeah, I always find it funny when they say, oh, when you go to the doctor's office and they take your blood pressure, oh, it just might be because you're a little nervous about being at the doctor's office. I'm not nervous about being at a doctor's office. No, I wasn't office. nervous either. I'm nervous about getting on any scale. Yes, I am. Am, but well, I'm not nervous about being at the doctors. I, I readily stepped on the scale because I didn't want to <laughs> act as though I was, you know, no. hesitant it's, to do so. It, but it came up in kilograms. Yeah, and you're like, oh, that's good. Well, I'd love to be that way, uh, but I, in pounds. I looked at it in kilograms, right, and tried to not act surprised, right? And then she said, uh, would you like to know what that is in pounds? And I was like, no. <laughs> Don't really know why I'd want that. But, of course, what did I do while I was waiting in the waiting room? You know, the little clinic room, whatever they're called, uh, got my phone out and converted it. Oh. And to be honest with you, it was quite, as as you quite, quite happy. Yeah. Okay. I was I was nervous to, to see the number, but it was lower than I thought it was going to be. And, and within 20 pounds of where I'd actually like to be, so I kind of thought that it was going to be like, oh, God, i got to lose 180 pounds. Mm -hmm. But no, I think i got to lose about 20 pounds. So that's that's good. And it's hot. I don't feel like eating. I told Hunter to get the bikes out of the shed today so we can go biking after work. So, so quite doable. I think it's quite doable. Yeah, it's just actually doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as, as we have found. Is this Scott for us? Okay, I don't know what he wants to talk about there, Ange. Hi, Scott. Hi. What's going on? Uh, I was phoning in for an interview. I'm Deputy Chief of Operations. Oh, oh you're early. 
early, Scott. You're a little early, but we'll take you right now. Scott, what's your blood pressure these days? <laughs> Mine? I'm not sure. I'm not checked today. <laughs> Scott uh, McDonald, Deputy Chief of Operations for Edmonton Fire Rescue Services. We were just talking a moment ago, Scott. It was about, it was not about, it was, it was five, five years, years ago. ago today. I was actually on the air uh, with a, a different partner mm-hmm. back then when word started reaching us that this was happening. And like many stories, we kind of went, well, let's get some details. Mm-hmm. We're not sure. And then, of course, it turned into what it turned into. It was so, one of the province's most expensive, at the most time, devastating. Yeah. Uh, natural disasters. A hundred millimeters of rain came down. Uh, That's Bow right. River, the two rivers down there, just uh, craziness. Emergency crews across the province jumped into action, including Edmonton Fire Rescue and Deputy Chief of Operations Scott McDonald. He was there. There He's you on go. The phone with us so, right what, now. what was your uh, what was Edmonton's involvement in that five years ago? Uh, we actually sat down in, in uh, three different waves. Uh, one hundred and fifty-eight suppression staff, uh, mm. 10 fire prevention officers, uh, and five frontline units, including our hazmat team, as well as some, some smaller utility vehicles as well. And, and what were the challenges that you faced? Because I know, uh, was it 80,000 residents were displaced mm-hmm. out of their homes, all of them wanting to get back again? Did, did each of those homes have to be inspected before they went back? Uh, I'm sure they were all, all inspected before they went back, but uh, so we uh, we were helping out as an outside agency, so we didn't have much to do with uh, with the uh, the Calgary Fire Department at all as far as their normal operations. So uh, we were basically, uh, at the start, we were going 24 hours a day. But we were uh, basically pumping out basements and uh, and touching base with, with residents and stuff uh-huh. to see what, what issues they had. And, and it, it was certainly more difficult in the dark, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that work, Scott? I mean, if you're not working with the fire department, who tells you where to go, what to do, and who then are you accountable to when you're down there doing that? Well, they set up an entire emergency operations center down there, and they run it as like a a large event. So they have the incident command system is is put into place, and they have incident management teams, and they would direct uh, the uh, the normal operation periods, you know, including briefings at the start of your shift and whatnot, and and assigning the area that you're going to. And then eventually, they got to the point where they could actually assign specific addresses where they knew there was issues. At first, we were just going out and and basically do an area period and, and looking for people and, and findings. Inspecting. Yeah. Hmm. So in uh, a situation like this, uh, crisis, uh, natural disaster type situation like this, or say Fort McMurray, for example, where we hear that, you know, Edmonton fire crews were dispatched. Is it on a volunteer basis or how, how do the people get chosen to go? Uh, so we have a, a call-out process for, for, uh, that we use normally for, for our overtime shifts. So it's on, it's on your days off and uh, our schedule is such that, uh, that we have days off over a longer period in our regular rotation. So what we do is we'd send our, our staff for the, the middle four shifts of their regular schedule six days off. When you went down there and, and you saw um, what was going on and saw the flooding, what went through your mind? Uh, it was a, it was a, an amazing disaster to see. I mean, my uh, I am old enough that I was I was actually <laughs> on the floor for our, for our tornado back in 1987. Oh, wow. And that was the, the closest thing that I could uh, necessarily equate that to at that time. Wow, wow. And you know what, you think, you know, fire obviously very bad, but water, water is such a, you know, if anyone's ever had a flood in their house, if there's ever anything like that, you know what that's like and how to deal with it and try to pump things out. It's just, it's, it's, as, it's as devastating. Absolutely. I mean, when I say we were pumping out basements, I mean, a lot of the, the stuff we were doing is we were, we were pulling personal effects out for people mm. and then getting their, their more valuable things out, especially, the, you know, people that, that were uh, 
not quite as, as active and whatnot. So larger pieces of furniture and, and you know photographs and that kind of stuff, right? That had a, a very personal value to, to hmm. people. And and again, I mean, when you go to these these larger disasters and whatnot, it's it's sad that it has to happen around these events sometimes. But uh, the feeling of community and, and just everyone helping each other out is it's always amazing in those situations, mm-hmm. right? You know, I wanted to ask you about that. If there was a specific circumstance or or anything that stood out uh, during the time that you were down there, I know that. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I was actually quite surprised as the cleanup continued to see people I knew, friends of mine. Uh, one friend, Ken Valgardson, I'll, I'll give him credit, mm-hmm. a comedian from Camrose, who just got in his car and drove down there and volunteered there and in High River for, I think, two weeks. And, and no one asked him to do it. I mean, did you, you, you just mentioned the community, but is there one or, or more circumstances that you specifically remember of that sort of thing? Well, you know what, I mean, I have to say that, that at the start, when we were dealing with the, the immediate stuff, uh, it was, uh, everyone was looking after their, their, own, their own properties mm-hmm. and whatnot, and we are helping out as we could. What I found is, is on a go-forward basis, as we got a little bit farther into it, um, communities would have, they'd have a barbecue set up, and, and I can't tell you how welcoming they were to us, and, you know, they're the ones that are affected, and, and they're plying us with, mm-hmm. with hot dogs and, and pop and stuff, and they were so appreciative that we were there, and it's a... Uh, it honestly is amazing, amazing to see that feeling of community is, is so good. Where do you guys stay when you do something like that? So for this, we, uh, we actually have a, a tri-services um, training area in, in Calgary, a, a, an actual base that they have. And uh, it, was, it was such a large-scale event that they brought in the, the task force team out of Vancouver. Hmm. And, they, and they travel, so they go around to, to disasters all over the place, and they have an infrastructure that they built, bring with them. And they had these large tents and restroom facilities and cooking facilities in the whole everything so it was uh, it was fantastic that way and that that's the way that uh, the events normally work so when i said we weren't working with with calgary fire what i meant was we were dealing with the flooding issues just like task force out of vancouver was dealing with stuff specific to the flood and calgary fire looked after their regular operations because calgary fire still has to has to operate as calgary yeah, fire correct so, eh? Do you know i think what will stand out for me as a moment and i wasn't down there for that i have family down there though and i was talking to them constantly throughout this um is the Calgary Stampede is when the Stampede stepped up and said, no, we're, we're going to do this. I can't remember what the exact words were, but it was it sent a chill down my spine to hear. It was the president of the Calgary Stampede saying, I think it was come hell or high water, come if hell I'm or not high water. mistaken. Yeah. And actually, I think that was their, their slogan for the entire for the year that year. And you know what also stands out for me, uh, Andrew and Scott, is everything that was going on at the Calgary Zoo was trying to oh, keep yeah. the animals alive. Remember, there was the hippo and there was That's all sorts right. of issues there. But yeah, well, you know what? Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. The Deputy Chief of Operations, the Edmonton Fire Rescue Services, Scott McDonald. We appreciate you taking the time to reflect back with us this afternoon. Well, thank you so much for, for giving me the opportunity. Take and, care. And uh, hey, listen, thanks for what you do, all the uh, men and women of the fire department. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care now. It's 219 on the 630 Chat Afternoon News. A quick break. We'll regroup. Come back with more after this. So there. It's 223. Indeed it is. Just an hour left in this edition of the 630 Chit. Oh, no, it's three and a half hours left. Uh, it was good to uh, catch up. with It's great when those emergency agencies all work together, mobilize like and work together and it's like that. good to know that they do work and, and works well yeah. together. Do you remember, uh, speaking of which, with the flood, where all of the uh, crew from, 
a course in Calgary, came up to Edmonton, and mm-hmm. we we shared facilities for quite a while, a few weeks. I, and I know during that transition, it was one of the first times, for myself at least, that we broadcast province-wide. Into, into Calgary, yeah. Uh, with no notice whatsoever, but that's yeah. fine. More Albertans yeah, I was listening. Work, I, mm, that was just after I started here, I think. Yeah, you were downstairs. I was still downstairs. Yeah. yeah. Listen to Aerosmith. And that might very well have been Sharon. my first breaking news story, to be honest with you. <laughs> really? Yeah. You, come on, you'd worked here for three years prior to that. Uh, yeah, I had uh, a couple of years at least, but, well, th- full-time a couple of years, yeah. but um, there hadn't been, I mean, there have been emergency stories, but there hadn't been anything of that scale, and um, that was sort of, uh, no pun intended, t- dipping my toe in the water for mm-hmm. the first time, because it's, it is... It's fascinating. Yeah, it's Fast fascinating moving. to watch how a newsroom works in, uh, in situations like that. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before, that you want to get the information out, but you want to get it out accurately, and you want to get information. Yeah. And people tune to 630 Ched to find out what's going on, and oftentimes we're scrambling to find out as well. And, right? it's, and it's changed dramatically. It's changed dramatically in the past 10 years, let's with say. With social media. With social yeah. media um, and people putting something out. And some people are just jerks, and they put out, you know, whatever. And, yeah. Um, <clears throat> There's, there's at times with some outlets the rush to be first, not necessarily yeah. right. And and the most important thing is to to have the information correct. Well, here's the thing, Jay, and I saw some people tweeting about this this morning. Some uh, media people, and I don't think they were tweeting. They weren't. They were tweeting from their personal accounts. They weren't tweeting from their media accounts. And none of our uh, people. And but you know. That doesn't matter, but it just didn't happen to be any of our people. But they were sort of, it got me thinking is uh, what you just said is absolutely true. You know, everyone races to get the information out first, right? Um, but you want to be right. But then the other side of it is uh, a tweet from somebody who works as an investigative reporter carries as much weight on Twitter as does the guy in his mom's basement mm-hmm. who just throws a falsehood out there. And uh, a couple of media people were tweeting about with everything that's going on in the States with children separated from their parents as somebody who has no background, inside information, knowledge uh, whatsoever of the situation, just put it out there that he was ashamed of media for falling for this... fake story that yeah, okay. because these children are all actors that were hired oh we're back to the actors right again. right whenever there's something that How's doesn't tinfoil hat it's just so ridiculous though but who like i i kind of get I almost can understand why you tweeted it because you want to see how many stupid people are out there but what i don't understand is the people who are like yep there it is knew it they're actors no, they're not. Like you, you can agree with it, disagree with it, but you have to at least accept the reality of it. Well, it's everyone needs to be their own reporter anymore. Yeah. You need to, you know, go to go to different sources, read different sources, yeah. trusted, verifiable uh, sources, and and read and make your own decisions. And and it's, it's like Google doesn't work in exactly. the states or something. Like, well, I don't, it's like Google doesn't work here all the time. Sometimes, yeah. Like, you know what I spent the better part of an hour on? Trying to find tariffs on shoes. Because, you know, the president said the Mm. Canadians are sneaking across the border wearing scuffed shoes to get around these horrible tariffs in Canada. I can't find them. What I can find is your personal exemption, where that would impact your personal exemption. you got to pay duty, but it's not specific to shoes. But I couldn't find the article he's referring to or any tariff information specifically about shoes. And, hey, here, let's be real. Um, Who hasn't... um, gone across the border wearing something wearing something or you know just cut the things off and hope you don't get caught but that's all borders that's all borders <laughs> yeah like that's coming back from anywhere 
and and going to anywhere. I mean, that's not a specifically Canadian thing. Although, admittedly, I haven't done it in so long. Oh, I just I don't buy a whole lot when I'm away. Nor do anymore. I. Like, Who it's can almost, afford it's it? Almost, actually, it's almost embarrassing. And it to looks make the declaration. Fake. To make the yeah. declaration that it's like eighty dollars. What'd you buy? Well, I brought my brother a T-shirt and a and a and a jar of vanilla. <laughs> right? Like I know. That's it. Yeah, I, I almost you're right. I almost feel sad making that declaration. Yeah. Because these days it's quite automated, so you don't really have to have that conversation anymore. But sometimes they spot check, yeah. like, so what did you buy, right? And then I say something like, uh, carton of smokes, carton of smokes, bottle of Sailor, Sailor Jerry. The guy just sort of, oh, okay, go ahead. It's like I'm sad. I did nothing for the kids? No. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't bring home any, no. No. Any money over ten thousand? No, please. <laughs> <laughs> I got these shoes. That's what I got. Look how I'm dressed, I'm lucky. man. <laughs> these are not new shoes. I'm just lucky to still have them I'm after a week I in Vegas. I flew in on the discount airline. <laughs> yeah, you notice I'm not wearing a shirt. That's how it went. <laughs> the six thirty Chad afternoon news with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross weekdays at two on six thirty Chad.